welcome to Magical Mystical Journeys. I'm Amy Renee, practitioner of shamanic arts, and I'm here with my other two lovely co-hosts. Andrea, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Andrea St. Amon, your resident evidential psychic medium. Hey, everyone. I'm Katie Valentine. I'm your resident minister and New Testament scholar and metaphysical engineer. Beautiful. Today, we're going to be exploring otherworldly, interplanetary, interdimensional beings such as aliens, UFOs, and Palladians. Our magical, mystical beings in this episode are cosmic. We've been talking about space and land and buildings, and now we're about to explore outer space or space in other dimensions and what magical, mystical beings inhabit that space. Specifically, we'll be talking about beings who aren't humans or animals as we commonly know them. Also, we want to rip off the crazy label from this topic. Obviously, a lot of people are hesitant to even talk about this or play with this topic out of fear of being called crazy. Why don't we kind of explore that a little bit? Andrea, you want to kind of speak about that a little bit? Absolutely. I think people are, first of all, they'll mistrust their own perceptions. Like, did I just see something weird? Or did I just, even if you didn't see it or experience it, even thinking, well, I do believe that there's a possibility of something else out there. And they're afraid of that initial knee-jerk reaction of being called like, oh, you're crazy. You're stupid. Or you're making stuff up. And I've certainly, well, I've had to <laughs> overcome that fear with everything I do, not just with other beings, other uh, cosmic beings, but it's a legitimate fear. I mean, it's a real, it's a fear, meaning it's very, very real among all of us. In fact, one of the stories that I'm going to end up telling you guys a little bit later, I wasn't originally going to tell on this podcast because I still had that latent fear of, I'm going to sound crazy even crazier than I normally sound. <laughs> what about you, Katie? Yeah, I, this is definitely kind of area where, where you're labeled as someone who has a um, tinfoil hat on and people are calling the authorities. And there's a, there's a lot of fear and a lot of worry about, uh, about the label, but I think also about our own self-perception that if we've had an experience that we believe might be otherworldly, like what does that say about us? Um, it also kind of brings up images of SNL, like the Coneheads, I'm thinking way back when. Um, and of like Mrs. Rafferty, you know, played by the the so funny. Um, now I've just forgotten her name. Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon, yes, you know, and, who's oh my gosh, so hysterical. They are really good. Really if you guys haven't watched it, you have to. You have to watch the whole SNL. Yes, everyone can on. just Google Kate McKinnon and, and Alien, and <laughs> you'll be I'm giving everyone a if you haven't seen it, I'm giving you about 30 minutes of joy that you'll have in your life later. But yeah, so that label is really real. But I think it's so interesting now that the US government has been releasing a lot of footage. Um, we There's a lot of pilots who are saying, no, we saw something. It was moving way, way, way faster than we could possibly um, achieve uh, here on earth with our, you know, with our current technology. And there's just been a lot of people kind of, I don't know, embracing the mystery, embracing the, the unknown, right? And that's what makes this so fascinating and also so scary because there's so much that's unknown. 100%. And along with that, I feel like some people are just afraid too. 
So not only is there a crazy aspect, but maybe by even speaking or acknowledging that there are otherworldly beings, you know, am I opening myself up to experiences with them if I don't want to have an experience, right? So let's kind of explore that a little bit. I feel like maybe we've each kind of had our own experiences in some way, shape, or form. Katie, would you like to, would you like to start with your experience? Yes and no. <laughs> yes and no, but sure. I'm, I'm happy to, I'm, I'm prepared. I'm bolstered. So I think y'all, you two know me and listeners, if y'all been listening for a while, you know me, I'm, I'm pretty open-minded and I'm also pretty, like, I like a lot of evidence. I like a lot of um, tactile things right in front of me. And so let's rewind. This is maybe six or seven years ago. I traveled to Utah to meet my, with my BFF. And we went to this little oils conference together. It was really fun. I got a, this is way before COVID. I got a low grade fever while I was there. It was like 99, like it wasn't that high, but I was like, uh, it was just, it, it, I was just sick enough where I was like, I'm just going to kind of stay in. I, I like the last day I like went out to dinner, but that was about it. I just kind of need to take care of myself. Just like a, like, like a cold, not even a bad cold. So I get on my flight to come back again, way pre COVID. My temperature was 99. It wasn't over a hundred. Uh, I don't think I was in danger of making anyone really, really sick on this flight, but I get on this flight. I don't feel great, but I don't feel like horrible. And the flight was maybe a third full, like I had a whole row to myself. I'm right by the window, kind of ready to, to sleep for an hour or so before I land in Sacramento. And I look out the window and there is something beneath us that is not clouds. It is not laying. It was dark. Now it was, it was a night flight. My flight departed at like 8.39 PM. But there was something under underneath the plane that was completely silent. It wasn't another plane because obviously we would have heard that and it shouldn't be flying that close to the airplane that I was in. It wasn't a plane. It was a huge, huge something. And it was going just slightly faster than the plane. Keep in mind, I had a low grade fever. I knew I had a low grade fever. I rubbed my eyes. I looked like a cartoon. I rubbed my eyes, shook my head, looked out the plane again, like the window again. It was still there. I was a little flummoxed and I kind of looked around like, is there a flight attendant? nearby that I can ask about this. No one was nearby. And of course I didn't want the crazy label. So I didn't want to stand up and say, anyone look outside and see this. Everyone else was sound asleep. I, I didn't want to make a spectacle, especially if everyone looked outside and all of a sudden it wasn't there. So I just kind of watched it. It took about 10 minutes, I would say. And like then when I finally, finally, when I looked out the plane again, it had gone, it, it was like slightly faster than the plane and it wasn't there anymore. Really big. Like, I mean, I could see, like, I could see over the edge of it, but much, much wider than a plane. And all I could see was the top. Um, so that's my one, like, sort of like really uh, bona fide is not the right word because I'm the only one who can verify it. Um, mystical <laughs> encounter at all. So there were no feelings. There was nothing like that. I was just like, what the hell was that? I, I, I couldn't explain it. That's the coolest story. I just love that story. No flashing lights, no little men, the green men or anything like that. But yeah. And, and I will say, I love, I love Star Trek. I love Star Wars. Like I love all of that kind of stuff. Like anything, I've always loved anything with space. Uh, I was not expecting to see that on my flight back from Utah. Yeah, no kidding. Could you tell like the shape of it or anything like that? Just out of curiosity. In my, so this is like, you know, the, this is the revisionist version. Um, so in my mind, it's sort of vaguely triangular, but I don't actually know that that's the case. Cause I can't see the whole thing you know, I can only see what I can see out of my little window on the plane. So I don't really, I don't really know. I didn't really get a sense of that. 
it's not like do, a dodecahedron or anything like that. Like it's squarish, rectangularish, triangular-ish. Like not and not an aerodynamic shape. Very cool. Right, like those things don't have lift usually. And clearly, the plane. If it were another earthly object, like a weather balloon, I mean, it doesn't sound like it was that, right? Or any other sort of flying object, the plane you were in, they should have picked up on it. Yeah, I mean, it was the just instruments would have gone us. crazy because it was way too close. Yeah, yeah. I, I gotta think the pilots had this thing on autopilot. They had to have, they had to have like. I, have to, I know. I should have asked them when I left the plane. I was just so I was flummoxed by the whole thing, and then honestly, I think I fell asleep after that. <laughs> Woke up with, and I saw that I had to get, get to Sacramento and then drive an hour and a half home. So I will say that's actually very common when people have a really extraordinary experience that you you it's almost like your ego or your brain just knocks you out right after that. Like oh, and you just kind of wake up like everything's normal, and then you're like, what the heck? That wasn't normal. That actually wasn't normal now that I look back, but it's really common. And that's common with any sort of metaphysical or spiritual experience as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's our chance to reset. Mm -hmm. Andrea, how about you? Yeah. So when I was little, I was really little. Um, I, I woke up one evening and my, my whole bedroom light, my whole bedroom window was covered in a red light. And I was, I did the same thing Katie did. And I, the fact that I even remember it this many years later tells me that must've been a significant event, but I, I, I was like rubbing my eyes. Like, am I still asleep? Am I dreaming? I remember like sitting up in the bed and we leaning in toward the window and it was just covered in this red light. And I didn't feel afraid. I was just fascinated. I was like, gosh, what is in the backyard? Like, what is going on here? And then it just slowly receded out of, out of the yard. So I tell my grandparents and my parents about the next day. And of course they're like, oh, you just saw somebody break light. And it was impossible. That's like, it was absolutely impossible to see a break light from my bedroom window and have it cover the entire upstairs window. So that was just interesting. And here's a story I wasn't going to tell you guys. I'm going to tell you there now. In the apartment we were renting before we moved into this house, we were in between houses and we rented this apartment. And I just, it, it was one afternoon and I got called. I got pulled to go into this big, beautiful backyard and sit in the middle of the yard. And this sounds like so Twin Peaks, but I literally like the the trees started moving differently. Like this big wind came and, Mm. but it was, it just, I felt like my perception of the backyard was just changing. And I felt like something's coming and in my mind's eye. So not objective, not nothing like came into the yard, like objectively, it was more in my mind's eye. My Claire's very clearly felt beings like around me descend and I, I heard clear as a bell, we're the high council and wow. they didn't feel like passed over loved ones. Like they didn't feel like human. I just knew it was my high council and they were beyond the, the label of sort of this could be a ascended master who was human on earth. Like it was beyond that. It was beyond even the idea of humans, you know, we're, we're in beings, but it was not angelic at all. And they, I, I remember just lying down in the grass and getting this really profound message. It was very personal to me. And it was really the, remember why you're here. Remember why you're here. We talked about this before you incarnated 
and, and pushing me, pushing me. And it, I felt complete love and acceptance. Like I didn't feel scared, but I definitely felt that push of step outside your comfort zone, keep going forward. This is why you're here. We talked about this. Remember it was really, and I, I actually felt very supported, very, very supported to continue stepping out. And this is when I was first starting on my really being on my journey of being publicly a psychic medium. Um, and I ran back inside the house and wrote down everything they said, but I think like that it was that like, I'm not alone. I'm not alone in my journey. Uh, I do have a purpose here that I need to keep fulfilling to the best of my ability. And how old were you during, during this oh, experience? This would have been, you know, five years ago. Okay. Wow. I'm not going to give away my age, but about five years ago, <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm, I don't care, but yeah. Yeah. And it's a memory that's just stuck with me. That's like, no, I've got people. I got people. I've got beings. I have to account for after this life. I got beings I have to account to, you know, I can't just sit on the couch and be a housewife. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, by the way, nothing wrong, but apparently I, I it's time for that's, me to, that's know, not what you agreed forward. to though. Yeah. Not what I agreed to, but I, they've got my back. They've got my back. Yep. And you speak into such an important point of like, when we have these experiences, right. And others are not experiencing what we are experiencing. So they're like, Oh, it was just, you know, like your grandparents, it was just a break light, you know? And so there's some of the fear too, of like, Oh, even if I do speak up on my experience, you know, uh, people aren't going to fully understand, you know? And so I think that's huge. And then the other thing that you spoke into Andrea was, how we feel when we are having these. Cause I feel like some people, maybe they do have fear and maybe that fear is there actually for a purpose. Maybe that is serving them. And then I feel like some people, you know, they are, uh, they are having these experiences where it isn't scary, but it's more of like, eh, we are here for you, you know, to remind you, to assist you within your journey. And that kind of, I'm going to, this is a great segue into what my personal experience was. I've actually had kind of two. Um, the first one was more of like at a distance. I saw something up in the night sky and all of a sudden it was way faster than a shooting star. Like I could not explain it, but I was just like in awe of like, what the heck did I just see? Like just flew through the sky like so fast and so quick and it was gone and then my second experience was in my previous house and it feels more of like a dream-like state for some reason so I don't know if it was a lucid dream or if this was like real life and like what happened to me ended up being more of like a dream-like state just so it wasn't so freaky to me but it was like these blue orbs outside of my house and clear guidance of, you know, just stay inside. You're good. We're here to take care of what we need to take care of. And then we'll be gone, you know? So it was like, even though it wasn't like up close and personal and I knew they were out there, but I was inside my house and they were outside of my house. And then that was basically it from there. But I never felt scared you know, they just, it was more of a signal of, Hey, we're coexisting with you. 
we are here and you're fine. Well, the similarities of both of your stories, I, I just love, right? That there's something, I, I noticed neither one of you are using the A word, right? right. I didn't, you're not using the A right. word, at alien. I should just be clear, not like asshole or something like that, <laughs> alien. <laughs> not using the A word, but you're, you're experiencing something. And I, I just sense from both of you really that you're embracing the mystery of it. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're sat. Well, you're, you're well-versed enough in the, in this sort of spiritual dimensions to know what they're not. Correct. For me, that's absolutely. And I think the word alien never came to me because alien sort of brings up a picture of other, not me, right? Alien is literally you're, you're an alien, you're different. You're other. And I didn't feel that at all. I didn't feel other. Yeah. I love that. I definitely felt like it was a presence. Uh, it was a presence, you know, and to me, when I think of aliens, cause I've seen some of the, you know, the TV shows and stuff like that, that's, that's not at all what my experience was by any means. It was more of a gentle experience. And so I feel like, you know, different people do have different experiences. You know, Katie, your experience was like definitely more of a, uh, what I feel was definitely more of a close up 3d experience, but I'm curious if you had any like felt experience with like, if you felt threatened or if you just felt calm or just curious if anything came up for you with your experience. I was pretty calm and pretty curious. And it, it was kind of at the beginning, it, not, not the very beginning, but like probably two, two years into my kind of more intense experiences with this with these, all these kind of spiritual realities. Um, and so I, so I wonder, you know, I, I, there's a lot of things I wonder about, like, was it a 3d experience? Was it not? So we can, we can kind of get into that, uh, too, but can I actually tell a funny story? Please. Please. Okay. So this was, uh, back when I was living in Chico. So just a couple of years ago, also pre COVID and there's a wonderful, wonderful community run observatory. And volunteers come out there and there's two really, really high power telescopes. I mean, it's a really amazing community feature. So um, my spouse and I used to go out there all the time. So we're inside the little observatory and they're letting turns, taking everyone look through the telescope at whatever it was that night um, that we were all looking at. And someone comes in and says, um, does anyone to the, like they're, they're professional astronomers who would, uh, show us the telescope. So to the astronomers, they're like, can you come outside and shed any light on the event in the night sky? And we were like, the event? <laughs> the astronomer said, the event. No, I, I don't know about any event. They were like, yeah, you might want to all come out and look at this. So we all go outside and look. And there's this like thing in the night sky, like lighting up the night sky, like ascending, going up into, um, you know, going up into outer space. So we all looked at each other because we were like, this is either it, like this is the invasion or like something something is happening that we just don't know about, but it was really cool looking. It turns out there was a satellite that was being launched like in Los Angeles, you know, uh, 800 miles away, but we could actually see it from where we were. So it was really cool to see. So that's to say, I mean, so I think my, my humor caution is it was really funny. Like we all started laughing once someone Googled it and figured out what was happening that night, but sometimes things don't have mysterious explanations. You know, this was a very wondrous event, but also had really, really human origins to it. Mm -hmm. It was cool to be right. part of, but it was also funny because we were all like, what event? <laughs> yeah, I would say there's certain places when anytime, so we're on the East Coast, anytime the, the Kennedy Center, the Space Coast down in Florida has a launch, 
you know, we get, you can see it depending on where you are on the East coast or even inland, you know, you can see when the, when a spaceship takes off, which is really amazing, even though we're really far away from Florida, but it will cross over your sight line. It's absolutely miraculous. I think the difference between seeing those and like knowing intuitively, I'm seeing some, I'm having a different experience. I'm ha- this is a different experience. And then it sticks in your head. You just feel that it's different. And to me, this goes into, you know, as we're talking about these otherworldly experiences or beings, you know, we also have like the star beings aspect and how that kind of ties into it. You know, these, the Pleiadians, the Octurians, all that. So what do we mean by otherworldly? What do we mean within that? Andrea, you want to kind of go into that and talk about that? Yeah, I think just open your mind that are there actual beings that live in our reality, like our physical reality, but they just live really, really far away from us, but they have their own planet and they've figured out space travel. So they're literally getting in a spaceship and they're able to visit Earth. Like, is that what's happening? I think that's a that's one way to look at it. Or are there beings that are more kind of interdimensional? So maybe we're all exist like Katie, you mentioned earlier that that spirit different spiritual realities. So are there beings that are in our universe and around our planet, but we're just not able to perceive them all the time? Yeah, let's let's go to that interplanetary stuff for a moment because that's the stuff of movies. So that's yeah. you know, like every sci-fi and space movie deals with like an alien race or or Star Trek, you know, boldly go where no one has gone before and they're meeting alien races and there's there's a kind of a vision of a of a shared um a a shared galactic federation where where we can all get along so you know so i love sci-fi i've watched all of these i get into all of these i'm i'm geeked whenever a new star trek show comes out uh and or movies and I, i watch them all and i always have i've always i've always liked all of that and so we have that kind of component to aliens where it's other beings, but but we have something in common or we're, we're finding common ground. And that speaks to our anxieties about here on earth, right? We have anxieties here on earth about not getting along with people and about conflict and about um, all, all the ways that we can mess each other up. And so we can project that into a space, novel, a space opera and tell that story. Um, and so I'm curious, am I the only one? Do you all, are you all Star Trek people? <laughs> I watch, I binge watched all the Star Wars and then a good bit of the Star Trek and then it fell off the shelf. Like it's just the storyline, like all the characters, everything just fell off the shelf. I can't remember too, any of them right now. Too, <laughs> too many things to remember. No need too to many. store that one. I understand. I definitely appreciated and loved, you know, Star Wars and aspects of Star Trek too. You know, it always fascinates me and like where they even come up with these ideas from, you know, maybe that there's something there. Who knows? Actually, Katie, hasn't like a lot of the early technology that was portrayed in Star Trek, have, don't we have some of that now? I mean, it is a little nuts, right? Like they had um, basically iPhones. When holograms. <laughs> and and we've adopted that and holograms and, um, you know, communicators, like they could tap a button and then communicate with someone. I mean, basically, you know, a little fancier Bluetooth than we have now. So a lot of that has, we have actually developed. So the, the vision of what humans are capable of, this is where, this is what I find so fascinating. 
And very often we attribute things to aliens because we don't think that we as humans are sophisticated enough to come up with the idea. And that's where I mm. like, that's where I really resist a lot of um, alien chatter or otherworldly chatter. Oh, humans couldn't have built the pyramids. It must've been aliens. No, ancient humans were really smart, really sophisticated, and they figured out ways to do that. Just because, and we, we have the hubris that because we can't replicate it, we think it must be aliens. Mm. Right. And so that's where I, that's where I kind of have a lot of resistance, I think, to just wholesale. Well, if, if we can't figure it out now, it must not have been humans who did that. But humans are like, we're really, really inventive. We're really creative uh, beings. We haven't figured out like sort of the Galactic Federation part, yes. <laughs> even here on Earth. Like we can't figure that out yet, but we will. Like we will. That's where I, you know, I firmly believe that's where, where we're all headed. But if you could put me in a spaceship and get me to another world and I didn't have to like, be in frozen in order to get there. We had that technology worked out. I'd so be there. Like, I, you know, I'm, will we land on Mars one day in our lifetimes? I think we will. No, I would be there too. If we could yeah, figure out the whole time thing. Yeah. So are Palladians otherworldly beings or are they interdimensional beings? What are Palladians? Yeah, the Pleiadians are some, they're, they come up a lot, right, in the kind of, kind of new age cosmic mythology. Who, who knows? You know, to me, it kind of feels like it's a interdimensional, you know, and I actually, I kind of have a personal experience and story in relation with that. Ooh. You guys like to hear? Yeah. Okay. So for me, when I was first going through what I call my awakening process, and this individual came into my life who communicates with angels, you know, and at the time I was very, very skeptical. And he shared with me that I had two earth angels and two plating angels. And I had never heard of that word plating in my life. And so for me, spirit uh, tends to bring things in three. And so I explored this word plating, and nothing I read resonated with me. And then I had one friend that I felt like I could talk to about these things that were showing up in my life. And he's like, oh yeah. And sent me this video. Um, have you ever heard of Matt Kahn? No. And so Matt Kahn is um, M-A-T-T. I want to say K-A-H-N if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but he was sharing these different videos and doing videos on the Pleiadian, like the Pleiadian energy. And what came into my life in relation with that was it was like all heart-based, love-based, you know, that they are here for like the highest and greatest good. I'm not saying that's the case with all of them, but for me, I resonated with that. Of like, oh, it's that love. It's that heartfelt experience. So the third experience I had with the Pleiadians I go to my very first shamanic gathering. It's a, a summer solstice gathering and we go around the circle and we're to say our name and where we're from. And this individual shared her name and she shared that she was from the Palladians. I'm like, what? I've never heard this word in my entire life. And here it is showing up three times in a row. And so to me that there was something significant, like something spiritual. So whether it be Octarian, whether it be Palladium, whether it be something like that, to me, I feel like maybe there's like 
a, a star essence of who we are and what we've chosen within this lifetime, such as you, Andrea, how you had your experience of like the council, you know, of like, okay, why is this showing up for me? And Katie, I kind of feel like you had some, a little bit more to share in relation with the interplanetary. I'd love to hear more about like just the history, anything that you can share with me to help me kind of better understand and know what this is that we're even exploring today. So let's talk about the Pleiades because they, uh, we hear a lot about the Pleiadian beings, aliens, cosmic journeyers, whatever they are. Um, and so if you Google this, you're going to find tons of information, um, but I'm going to talk a little bit just about the science of it. And then they're being mentioned um, in history. And so if you go to space.com, that's the source of a lot of my scientific knowledge about this. Uh, I'm not a scientist, but the Pleiades are a star cluster. Uh, they're about 400, a little bit more than that, light years from Earth. So really close to Earth in cosmic terms. In reality, there's about 800 or more stars in this cluster, but we can see seven of them really, really easily with, without a telescope. And so they stand out in the night sky. So if you can find Orion's belt, so winter months for North America, um, I don't know about I don't know about the Southern Hemisphere, but in the Northern Hemisphere in the winter months, if you find Orion's belt, they kind of point. It'll point upwards to the Pleiades. Uh, so that's one way you can find them. So most star watchers are going to be really, really familiar um, with these seven stars, and they kind of look like a little version of the Big Dipper. We, off, we also call them the Seven Sisters, and that's they're named in our culture, in Western culture, after the Seven Sisters, that's part of a Greek myth. And they can be seen all the way from, north, uh, from the North Pole to the very, very tip of South America. So that means every culture throughout history has been able to see them. And so consequently, almost every culture has a myth about their creation. There's so many, we can't even go into them, but they've really, really captivated the human imagination for a long time. So on a, on a space level, the ones that we see are um, stars that burn, we call them like blue stars, and they burn really, really hot and really, really brightly. And they'll probably go out much quicker than some of the long, uh, longer burning stars. But that's one reason that they're so bright. We have evidence for planets around one of the stars in that cluster, but no confirmed planets. So the way that astronomers look for planets is they look for um, stars that have like a dip in the light when a planet crosses them. So there's one star that's shown some evidence of that, but we don't have a confirmed planet around that. Now, I did get to see really recently in the British Museum in London, something called the Nebra Sky Disc. This is so cool. So everyone just go and go and Google it when you have a free minute, N-E-B-R-A. And that's named after the place, um, I think in Northern Germany, where it was found. And this is a Celtic disc. It's no bigger than a plate. It's about that size. And it's our oldest record, we believe, of a night sky the oldest human current human record we have of the night sky uh, from about 1600 BC. And it has the Pleiades in it. So I got to see it really recently. It's way, way, way cool. It also has the summer and the winter solstice on it um, and a couple of other, a couple of other um, things of the night sky on it as well. The Bible actually mentions uh, the Pleiades. We, it's mentioned three times in Job, in the book of Job twice, and in the book of Amos once. And interestingly, whenever it's mentioned, it's usually mentioned as like 
when God, when God is saying to humans, like, did you create the night sky? Did you create a, a Orion? They'll mention Orion or the Pleiades. And so it's kind of a, um, a like reminding humans that God created uh, all of these. So anyone who's really interested in kind of exploring religion and religion and the Bible and space, you may want to check out another episode uh, of another podcast that I had, the Heretic Happy Hour. We have a fun series where we talked about conspiracy theories. So we actually talk about like alien conspiracy theories. That's episode number 84, and it's called The Truth is Out There. Um, so we, we explore a little bit more there than we have time to get into here. Um, so, you know, we had talked about earlier, or I'd mentioned earlier that I, I have a I, I kind of feel bristly, I think, when we try to attribute every everything from the ancient world to aliens. So y'all are going to see 10,000 shows, the Bible and aliens, ancient Mesopotamia and aliens. Does the Bible mention aliens? No, the Bible does not mention aliens. Um, humans have always looked to the sky for inspiration. So if you imagine people in the ancient world, they're looking to the cosmos, they're looking to the stars, they're finding inspiration just like we do today. So the skies are places where a lot of cosmic things happen in ancient imagination. Um, that's why you know, um, the seven sisters are part of a Greek myth um, where they, they get placed in the sky as a result of this like kind of cosmic battle. And so when we have all these shows like you know, it's usually with this kind of music in the background, are aliens in the Bible or some movie, and they they start looking at the Bible and they start quoting it to prove that like ancient aliens actually came down and created all the events that are happening in the movie. It makes for a great movie. I mean, it makes for a great depiction. But one of the reasons I have a problem with that is because that relies on a literal interpretation of the Bible. I don't believe in having literal interpretations of the Bible. So it's trying to say this literally happened and they just described it differently. I think it's more useful to say they are using images of things happening in the sky for a particular time and place. And we do that too. So we only start having alien myths, uh, alien stories, once we can conceive of people living on other worlds, which is really recently in, in human history. We've only really, really been able to even conceive of that in the past like 500 years. Um, so another little factoid, the word Subaru in Japanese, Japanese means Pleiades. And so when you see the little logo on Subarus, that's where they get it from. But there's six stars instead of seven because one is not as visible. And as far as I can tell, I could be really wrong about this. So if anyone has other information, correct me. But I think that we started talking about the Pleiadians as kind of alien, otherworldly, interdimensional, cosmic beings, whatever the word is we're using, around the year 1992. So that's when the author Barbara um, Markiniuk wrote or published Bringers of the Dawn. And she's channeling Pleiadian energy as intelligent beings with messages for Earth. So it's very similar to like Esther Hicks material, very, very similar to that kind of genre. I just downloaded it today and I'm in chapter three and I'm really loving it so far. And it's interesting that it's in 1992 because she has a lot of references to the next 10 years, the next 20 years. And so it kind of gives us an opportunity wow. to see like, did those things kind of unfold the way that the Palladians or she envisioned, or, you know, are we on another trajectory? So I, I welcome conversation and debate uh, around my takes here. Sounds good to me. I think it's fascinating. Uh -huh. I think all of this is just fascinating. And I think that 
You know, I think there's the, the fact that we're even interested in all of this, you know, we're really pushing the edges of our consciousness in terms of what could be out there. But what's really fascinating is that we might be having experiences that we can't explain and we need to be open that our conclusions about those experiences, or even if we haven't had experiences, but just our imaginings, our wondering, our conclusions might be incorrect because our conclusions are based on what our consciousness can grasp now. 500 years from now, we might have similar experiences that lead to different conclusions. I feel like that kind of goes into, you know, the fear of these beings after good or bad, you know, the scary, even like our angels that we've explored in season one are those cosmic beings, you know, what is the truth of all that? Well, what do you guys think? Andrea, anything come up for you? Anything's possible. I like how your story, Amy, that you're the person said you have two angels and two Palladian angels. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I did. I've been Mm -hmm. angels and angel, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Maybe not. Who knows? Do Palladians have angels? Why would they not? Don't they get to be angels and then have angels? Of course. We can't like, you know, hoard all the angels for ourselves. I can't put a Pleiadian in a box. <laughs> why, why are you humans? Hey. You know, they're so, we're so good at projecting out there, right? We're projecting our own, our own um, sense of being onto God, onto al- aliens. And maybe because maybe we're afraid of other beings because we know how much damage humans can do and cause on each other. So we kind of put that on other beings as well. You know, that I'm, I'm kind of going back to the question that you asked, Amy, which is like, can angels be aliens? I'm a, I'm a no. I'm kind of a no on that. I don't think so. Like, there may be an experience I have that really might be an alien experience that I interpret as angelic. But I see them as really two distinct beings. Um, so in my, and this is just me, uh, I don't like, there's no way to prove this. It's just my experience, my, my own thoughts, but like angels are the, they're, I, I think they're learning, but they're, they're in direct communication with source and alien energy is like, not to me, not on that same level. It's, it's a different level. They may be wise, but not, um, they may be more connected, less connected to source, um, than me, but they're, they're fallible. Right. They're fallible. They're they can make mistakes. They're learning. They're growing in a way that an angel is probably not in my mind. But I think if there are other realities, other existences, those existences would also probably have their version of higher beings, angels, etc. to help them. Yeah. yeah. I, I oh, yeah. With you, Katie, I kind of feel like angels are like our perception of them are dedicated to help us here on our planet in this reality. I agree. To me, what comes up for me is like that term alien, like what does that even mean? To me, it's another being of some sort, right? You know, regardless if they're telepathic or what their traits are versus ours. And to me, the angel aspect is more of like a spirit form. So as I, you know, this individual shared with me that I had two Palladian angels, like I couldn't help but wonder if, okay, maybe at some point, maybe I was like 
a physical Pleiadian, you know, being, you know, and then once I, even now here we are in these physical bodies. And then when we leave our physical bodies and we're back in that pure, what I imagine to be pure spirit form, then that gives us the opportunity to not only be of spirit in spirit connected completely with source energy, but to, I have a little bit of resistance saying this, but I'm going to go ahead and mention it anyway, be of service in a different kind of way. You mean yeah. incarnate as an alien? <laughs> yeah. Why not? But you won't be right. an alien if you're there. Earth, us right, humans yeah. will be the aliens. Will be aliens. <laughs> but you know why not? Who knows? Maybe we're yeah. maybe all three of us are going to meet up later, and like go take a vacation and in somewhere in the Pleiades. Wouldn't that be fun? I think it'd be great. I'm all about exploring. I'd love to, you know, and maybe we already have, who knows? <laughs> maybe that's why we're talking about it right now. Now we've mentioned uh, just a few, but obviously there's a lot more out there that could be explored that maybe we haven't even spoken into. So just want to be aware of that. You know, this is just a few, maybe there's more that are coming up for our listeners out there. Just, I want to acknowledge that. So we're not representing all of it. Andrea, I feel like there was something about South Carolina. Did you mention it or did you want to mention? Yeah, I'll just say just by way of example, and Katie briefly alluded to this, that all cultures have myths and legends um, involving beings or creatures that don't look like humans or animals. So I've done a deep dive in South Carolina. I'm a, pretty much an expert here on, on the legends here that go beyond ghost stories, that go beyond passed over humans and passed over animals. And there's so many beings just here on the South Carolina coast that are not human, that are not animals as we know them. And it's just curious, like, huh, how, you know, some of them, some of the legends make sense, you know, that, that you can see why people perceived this sort of being as it was. And others are just, they're just fascinating to me. So I just, who's to say like these other creatures and other beings are not also mystical cosmic journeyers that appeared at certain times in history for whatever reason, who knows? And I would say too, just throwing it out there. A lot of people, when they start working with their spirit guides, their spirit guides don't look human or animal. They might look like a Pegasus or an animal, but I should say not an animal as we know it. You know, my, for instance, my joy guides, I've seen them objectively. They look like Oompa Loompas. <laughs> little does, short, that, little does that bring you short, joy? So much joy. Nice. So much joy. Yeah. Now they might actually be human, but they know they need to show up to me as Oompa Loompas. Right. Little short orange men with green hair. <laughs> so. I've even heard that Sasquatch, that they are like, uh, there's a cosmic aspect to them. So obviously I don't know a lot myself, but it just, it really does bring up, ah, these different beings, these different aspects. Where is this all come from? Is this, you know, the cosmic aspects? And I feel like we might be, um, at that point to go into meditation. But before we do, Katie, is there anything else that was coming up for you that you'd like to just speak into? Yeah. Well, I think it might be helpful to acknowledge the, the tremendous fear factor 
uh, with when we're talking about otherworldly beings, because so many of the stories are of kidnapping and of abduction and of like medical experimentation. And uh, Hollywood obviously capitalizes on this a lot. I mean, the I, I think of that original 70s movie, uh, the third uh, encounters of the third kind. And it's or the Sigourney, uh, the Sigourney Weaver alien. You know, aliens are depicted as coming to take things from us, coming to enslave us. And so that part out, that part that's there is really, really real. And I wonder if it might be helpful just to kind of talk about that um, a little bit, because we've been talking about like the benevolent, um, benevolent, benevolent otherworldly beings. And that's very attractive to me. We all like that, right? Yes. Uh, high councils and friends who come to um, to guide us, who, who are paving the way before us technologically and spiritually. Uh, but what about this other, you know, this other dimension of when we're talking about aliens, does this strike a chord with anyone? I would say every being that would not be angelic or direct source is going to have a shadow side, just like humans. There might be a shadow energy, but I don't know that we need to walk around in fear of of the other any more than we need to fear, you know, other human beings. Of course, there's a lot of bad people out there that we just have an instinctive. <laughs> we know we need to be afraid of them. Stay away. I think the same is true for the spirit. These other realms. What about you guys? Yeah, I agree. Like it's that yin and yang energy, right? That's the shadow and the light both do exist, you know? And I feel like our intention, like that assists us in ways that, um, that maybe we don't fully understand as a human being, you know, but if my intention is only that, which is of the highest and greatest good, and I have to trust in that, or if there is fear coming up, oh, maybe that's my, my body's intelligence guiding me not to go somewhere. So there is just acknowledging, you know, there are beings out there that are of service to self, you know, and there's other beings out there that are of service to other. So both exist. So absolutely, you know, they're there. I, I can see how it exists. And we also, you know, I feel like there's ways that we can really acknowledge our frequency and vibration by what we are focusing on, where our thoughts are. I would say too, to use the same techniques and exercises when you're thinking about these things, just as you would the spirit world. And we have talked a lot about boundaries, 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 and intention. And I really believe in as above, so below and the opposite. Um, so if you're, a, I mean, I'm not going to say work through your fear to contact, you know, another being that's on a spiritual realm, but if you're really, really worried about having not enough boundaries and not like opening yourself up to something that's not benevolent, then look at what, who's around you, where are there, are there, are there human beings that are around you right now that you could practice on? that you could draw a boundary with that might be in your life. Who's malevolent. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Do that. That's just good. Um, good practice. <laughs> That's good practice for everyone um, to pra practice those yeah. boundaries. But, you know, also I think the, the, some of the abduction stories or 
I don't want to say they're not, they're not real um, because I'm sure people that have experienced them experience them as very, very real, but the, the sort of, they, they surface a lot as since in the past, like 50 years, 60 years as well. And I, I think they're also tapping into basic human fears. Like that's a fear that will be um, not in control of our bodies. Absolutely. Right. That's a base. And it's, it's a horrifying one. It's horrifying when that yeah. happens. Yeah. Right. But it also taps into fears of like something that we can't see or name coming into our space. And so sometimes I think that alien stories, um, benevolent and malevolent, uh, are all, they're tapping into our greatest desires and our greatest fears. Kind of like all Correct. at the same time. Um, that being said, I did get, I did once go to the Roswell Museum. Yeah. Kind of the, the Mecca of alien stuff in the United yeah. States uh, on the drive through when I was driving across the country. With all respect to the Roswell Museum, this uh, this city has capitalized on the mythology of the of the alien encounter there in the 40s. Because everywhere you look, like everything is alien cafe. There's like people dressed up. Just everything is named after this. But this museum is the um, it's a very quaint little museum. And this was like 10 years ago, so maybe it's been upgraded since then. But basically, it's a bunch of newspaper articles put on, you know, put on displays and it was great fun to be able to go to it. I have a similar experience with the Mothman Museum. I have to give it a shout out. We went on our paranormal road trip through West Virginia and I, my husband really wanted to go to the Mothman Museum and I was kind of rolling my eyes. I was like, this is gonna be the dumbest, hokiest thing on the trip. And it, it brought me a lot of joy. It was so much fun. So much fun. Totally recommend it. The hokiest ones are the most fun. It was fantastic. But the story, the actual story, not the movie. I understand there's a movie about Mothman. The, the story that are um, of what was documented is fascinating. So Ooh, future episode. Mm-hmm. Well, ladies, shall we go into our meditation? Yeah. Yeah. You guys ready? I've got one piece I want to add before we go into meditation, because I think it could be a fun, like anyone out there that might have a Kiwi. Okay. And the reason why I'm mentioning Kiwi is because if you slice a Kiwi in half, study what you see inside. It looks like an image of outer space. So during the growth, mother Kiwi vine the female vine that bears the fruit channels the universe's energy. Now I get this from Anthony William medical medium. So, but it was just something, you know, a lot of times foods work with certain parts of the body, like the walnut or the pecan will work with the brain. So here we have a kiwi. So maybe if you have a kiwi, you might want to bring that into this meditation and just see what happens. And yeah. So from there, would you be open to leading us, Miss Andrea? Sure. Let's let's see where we go. See who we meet. All right. Obviously, if you're driving, keep your eyes on the road. So take a few breaths and close your eyes and invite you to invoke your sense of wonder. And imagine that you're traveling to a place on the earth where you can see the night sky very clearly. Maybe you're actually more inspired by a sunrise or a sunset. Maybe you don't need to see the stars. 
Your feet are very, very grounded on the earth. And you're looking up into the heavens. And you might want to stay on the earth or you might want to feel your body rising through the atmosphere and traveling to a far off destination. Imagine now that you're going to meet a new friend with a complete sense of wonder, just like a child meeting a new pen pal. And imagine that this new friend is so excited to meet you too. You don't have to worry about what this friend looks like. Maybe you see what the friend looks like. Maybe it's an animal, maybe it is humanoid. Maybe it's just a light being, but there's a tremendous sense of wonder with each of you and a curiosity. And this new friend is just as excited to hear about what it's like to be human, what planet you come from, just as you are to learn about this new being. Maybe you don't get any information, you're just really embodying a sense of wonder and a sense of curiosity. And maybe with, like with any new friend, you find that you have qualities and interests in common. And when it's time for you both to go back to your respective homes, promise that you'll meet again the cosmos the space nothing can keep you apart now you can visit each other in your minds anytime so come back through the heavens back onto earth filled with gratitude of what your own sense of wonder brought you and gratitude that you have a new friend. When you're ready, take a few more deep breaths, rub your hands together, touch your face and your hair, come back fully into your body and open your eyes. Did either of you meet a new friend? I did. You did. (laughs) I did. And I love how, like, so for me, it was almost like a child. So right before you went into like something you said that made me think the innocence or childlike energy, I don't know. I was like, oh, I'm already there. How cool is this? And I feel like this being that I was connecting with, and it was more telepathically, I was still on earth as she was where she was, but we could still communicate. And it was all about connection and surrounding ourselves with those who are like-minded or do have experiences such as we do, because it's in the sharing of that, that we have deeper realizations for ourselves. And it was a beautiful reminder of the joy, the play, the curiosity, the innocence, right? And sometimes when we are exploring, 
you know, and maybe it's a new creature or a new animal. Like I'm going to use ant as an example, but if you pick up an ant, sometimes you'll get bit by an ant, right? And it's, they're just being them, you know, they're in fear or they're protecting themselves. So it's like, even as we explore, don't be afraid to explore. Sometimes you're going to get bit, but there's going to be other magical experiences that you have along the way. And awareness is an aha that come too. So just so much gratitude for that precious experience that I got to experience with this childlike being. Thank you, Andrea. That's so interesting because I was also in the mind. I, I felt like I was kind of like a child and meeting another child. And it wasn't super, super specific, but it was kind of along with the flow. Uh, flow more, more feelings, less sort of particular mm-hmm. thoughts or messages or anything like that. But it was like a fun. I really think it could be, you know, if you're a child and you meet another child from a foreign country, like it's just so other, it's so weird. You become pen pals. Well, thank you. Thank you both. Thank you. Mm, good stuff. I would love to hear. I am. I invite our listeners to share what maybe came up with them for them. Anything that we've mentioned in this episode, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have your own experiences. You are welcome to email us at magicalmysticaljourneys at gmail.com. Please rate us on iTunes. On iTunes, yes iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast, anything else that I'm missing? No, I don't think so. We'd love to hear from you all. So yeah, just write to us, let us know what you're thinking and uh, send us questions so we can be sure to address them. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Thank you.